Hey friends, it's Jessica Sun. Welcome back to Guru, please. So the title of today's episode, Drug Addict Turned Personal Trainer, it tells one side of Kane's story, but really, I think the big takeaway is what is motivating you to change? You're going to get a behind-the-scenes look at how Kane thinks about his transformation and what he did to support himself through that change and what he continues to do day in and day out. Kane is honest, insightful, and real about his experiences, and I think that his ability to look back and reflect on his experiences is really telling in terms of how far he's come. You'll also hear some tips on fitness, so if you're looking to make a change in your life, if you're looking to get healthier, this is the episode for you. And if you haven't done so already, please do leave a review on Apple Podcasts. I love to hear your feedback, and it also helps listeners find the show. Hello and welcome to Guru Please, the show about pushing the limits of life and stepping up to live with more meaning, more purpose, and more passion. I'm your host, Jessica Sun. I'd like to introduce Kane Patterson. Kane is a former drug addict personal trainer, online coach, and co-host of the Skinny to Strong podcast. He spent most of his childhood in and out of child protection services and developed a drug habit as a teenager, losing over 10 years of his life and at times being homeless. He has since recovered on his own and now operates a gym and personal trains. Welcome to the show, Kane. Thank you, Jessica. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so it's probably a long story, but I wanted to get started at the very beginning. What were your childhood experiences like? And looking back, what can you say was going on that maybe at the time you weren't aware of? There was a lot going on that I wasn't aware of. Mm -hmm. Uh, It wasn't until later in life where I sort of realized how how bad it was. My journey started, my brother as well, when we were born, we were both born heroin babies, which pretty much means that the mum, or our mum, sorry, was having substances during her pregnancy. And then we came, when we were born, we were addicted to whatever she was having and she was taking heroin. So we had to go through withdrawals and everything when we were born. Mm. And then pretty much a year and a half later was the first time I got taken off my mother and put into foster care. So at the age of one and a half, uh, and that was a regular sort of cycle all the way up until about 15, 16. My mum had her own battles with drug addiction and uh, lifestyle and stuff like that. And unfortunately, she wasn't in the right headspace to look after kids or financially or whatever it was. So we spent most of our childhood going into foster care uh, and then going back with her and she would overdose like in a McDonald's toilet or something like that or assault someone or commit a crime or something and then put be put in jail and we would be taken off her and put back into protected services. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So you've been in and out of quite a few foster homes. Uh, yes, about, about 24 mm-hmm. off the top of my head. Yeah. What was that like? Uh, at the time, it was upsetting. It was pretty sad like every time we went into a new home we had to go to a new school make new friends a new environment new people it was very sort of 
hard to um, be a normal person, if you could call it that, when you're always moving around and sort of having to reinvent yourself or sort of, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And then to constantly be taken away from your mother and then then put back with her. Uh, yeah, that was uh, when we would get taken away. It was kind of a dramatic scene. There was a lot, a lot of tears, uh, a lot of crying, and everything. And but in the same sense, if DHS or that's what we call it here hadn't have stepped in, I probably wouldn't be here today. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't an environment where you would want kids. Like there was always drugs around. There was drug dealers around. There was people like just crashing everywhere i have memories of finding pills and stuff on the ground and eating them as a child fortunately they didn't taste very nice so i spat them back out Mm. but yeah just the environment wasn't what you would want to want to have kids in right yeah exactly so luckily you were taken out but yeah understandably at the time it's very emotional and kind of heartbreaking to be taken away and so later on, as a teenager, you found yourself hooked on drugs. Yes. Right. And I can, I can imagine that, you know, it was just because of everything that had happened. Let's talk a bit about, like, what was going on for you at that time. So I was introduced to hard drugs by my mom. I had dabbled, like, with marijuana and stuff like that and had a couple of tokes of, like, a joint and had some, a few drinks and that but I wasn't heading down that path, if you know what I mean. And then the fact that she put this in front of me, like she just walked up to me in the kitchen and was like, here, hey, try this. I don't know what her reasoning behind it was, but the fact that she put it in front of me uh, made me go, oh, okay, let's try it. Let's see what happens. Was I going to take it without her prompting me? I'm not sure. But now now the fact that it was actually put in front of me, I tried it. Uh, and unfortunately, I really liked it at the start. And that's where the sort of downward spiral into the rabbit hole started. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so you say you've lost, you know, over a decade of your life to drugs. I mean, let's talk about kind of what those years were like for you. Uh, at, at the start, it was more of a social sort of thing and having fun with friends and that, but it quickly became more than that. It became something that I would do alone and I no longer had fun doing it. It was something that I sort of, I relied on, I needed to do. Mm-hmm. That's when, you know, it, it's no longer <laughs> something that you just do. It's, it's more of an addiction then. Through this, through this whole 10 years though, there was periods where I tried to clean myself up. Mm-hmm. So there was, times when I was really really bad and then there was other times where I was not so bad or or getting really good but um when things things went wrong when I was trying to fix myself up that's when I would just revert back to my safety of taking drugs getting off my head trying to get rid of the pain and the hurt or whatever was going on in my life at the time Um, and yeah, there was through this time as well, there was stages of homelessness. I was either sleeping on the streets or at parks or on friends' couches when they would let me stay over. Mm-hmm. Uh, some family members, I would stay at their house every now and again. Sounds like kind of a bleak existence where you're 
fully addicted physically and mentally it's hard to kind of get off the drugs and you've tried sounds like a few times at least but then you you say you you ended up hitting a snap point in your life mm-hmm. at which point you actually did get off and get clean and and everything changed right yes so what was that it sounds like it was a rock bottom of a moment where it was like you're gonna die or you're gonna live kind of thing it was sort of a fork in the road. Uh, there was a lot of uh, accumulating things that were adding up to the to the actual moment where I decided to quit. But there was one pivotal moment that actually, it was like the straw that broke the camel's back mm. and, and undid everything. I had been out partying for three or four days and I was very high and very drunk. And I went to this nightclub and ran into a friend that I hadn't seen for a while. And I can remember it clear as day. There was music going on. It was very loud, but I can remember exactly what he said, but I can't remember anything else from the three or four days. Like Mm. it was just everything else is a blur, whereas this is crystal clear. I walked up to him in the nightclub and I was like, oh, hey, Kenna, how are you going? And he turned around and he said, listen, I I don't want to hang out with you anymore you're scaring me, you're getting too bad. And at the time I sort of, I was like, oh yeah, whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. brushed it off and went about partying. But then after I came down and I, 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 you know, I came to and I stopped, I wasn't high anymore. I remembered that moment and I've talked to a lot of people about it and talked to them about how, like why I can remember it. It's sort of like, well, it may be your subconscious just saying you need to remember that one moment because it's very important. Mm-hmm. I think the reason that I do remember it, because growing up, I never had family around, like never really had solid family there that I could, um, you know, lean on or be close to or anything like that. And then friends had become my family, like friends that I got really close to. And for one of my best friends to turn around and go, hey, I don't want to hang around you anymore. It was sort of like a, a wake up moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it kind of stuck with you after, after that. And yeah. was it then that you decided, hey, I am factually not doing well. Something has to change. Was that uh, what happened? Yeah. So, the, so one of the funny things is he can't even remember the moment. I kind of upset upset with him for that, but (laughs) it is what it is. So the first thing I had to do is obviously wake up to myself. I had to sort of realize because I had a lot of hate and resentment towards my mum, obviously for our childhood, then for introducing me to drugs and I blamed her for a lot of things. Mm -hmm. I had to look at myself and go, hey, (laughs) yes, she influenced a lot of things, but she isn't the reason you're here now. It's because mm. of your own actions and your own stuff ups that you've made along the way. Wow. How did you realize that? Because it can be so painful to take responsibility, right? Oh, it was very hard to, <laughs> to look at myself and go, you're the reason you're in this position. No one else's fault. You're the person that's fucked up. Like mm. that, that was one of the hardest things I've had to do. I don't know how I did it. Like it was just, I don't know, sort of like 
waking up to yourself or maturing a bit or yeah yeah so now you you don't really blame your mother at this point uh no no i i have forgiven her because i don't want her to have that control over me anymore but i can't forget what's happened you know what i mean yeah uh so i don't when things pop up from my past and and i and i usually would go jesus christ mum, why do you you know now I look at it and I'm like, mm, actually, that's my fault. I could have done that or, you know, I shouldn't have done that or mm-hmm. I just look at things a lot differently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you were able to to move on because otherwise the past would just forever have that control over you. Definitely. You've, you've got to, it's hard for, because I talk to a lot of active drug addicts mm-hmm. and, and I try and, impart some wisdom i don't i don't see myself as a very smart person but i try and tell my story to help them Mm -hmm. but they can't see the the forest from the trees they're sort of they're stuck in that life and anything that i tell them unless they're ready to hear it Mm. they they will continue to uh, like blame other things for what's happened and as i said there could be influences that have influenced you to get to where they are they're stuck in that point but in the end like it has they have to take some ownership for it as well yeah so once you woke up to yourself what happened next uh i started a three and a half year journey to recovery i tried going the all or nothing approach and i tried sort of stopping everything at once but that didn't really work for me and I kept relapsing and going even harder on the drugs than I was originally. Mm. So I sort of, once again, I had to sort of go, Hey, this isn't working. What's another way we can do this. And I started slowly reducing the amount of drugs I was taking, or I wouldn't take that certain drug or I wouldn't, you know, go out partying on the weekend or I wouldn't, I was trying to reduce the amount of drugs I was having slowly over a period of time. It took me ages and I have failed more times than most people have tried. Mm. But because it was important to me and, and I needed to do it and I wanted to do it and the hurt that I was feeling from the past life, the only other option was to, you know, die alone on the streets. So mm. that's why. What, what did you tell yourself when you relapsed because at that point some people do give up there were times where i wanted to give up but because of how much that past life was a pain point for me once i realized how bad i'd got it kept me driving forward and i did a a process of like elimination so i would try to get clean or, or reduce the amount i was taking some way and if i stuffed it up i would look at what triggered me to relapse so it might be okay i I went i went to a party and got too drunk and and took too much drugs i was like okay well you know i I either don't go to the party or next time i go to the party i don't drink so i can control myself more Mm. it was just the finding finding what sort of triggered me to fail or to to relapse and either getting rid of that out of my life or coming at it a different way Mm. Yeah, sounds like you really were able to observe your own behavior without too much judgment. You said, oh, okay, that didn't work. 
I'll try yeah. something different next time. Yeah. I know there would be a lot of people that can't do that, but I think because of my past and how I've had to sort of look after myself a lot as a kid, I had that awareness, if you could call it that. Then you kind of did get clean. And then you also started this journey into fitness and helping others with that as well. What got you first started in fitness? Uh, so my fitness journey actually started when I was still an active drug addict. Mm. It was one of the instrumental tools that I used in my recovery. So it was about a year and a half before I actually got clean. I started going to the gym with my brother mm-hmm. and I'd, I'd been to the gym in the past with friends, but it didn't really, it didn't really grab me. I was just stuffing around with them and having fun in the gym. Mm-hmm. But when I started going with my brother, and started getting right into it and actually started seeing some benefits from going to the gym and eating food, I fell in love with it. And it, and it quickly became my new addiction. It, it was giving me a high that was better than going out and taking drugs. And so you stuck with it. And how did it help you recover and heal? Uh, <laughs> I think I overdid it a bit with the training. <laughs> I, it, it became a, a new addiction for me. And I, I went from, you know, training once or twice a week to training about 15 hours a week, which is mm. way too much unless you're an athlete. <laughs> and I definitely wasn't an athlete. <laughs> but yeah, that, that became my new addiction. And it was just something that I was using as a tool to make it easier to control my addiction. Yeah. And from there, I fell in love with it. Mm-hmm. I loved it so much. I was like, okay, I'm, I want to show other people how good lifting weights and eating good food can be. Mm-hmm. So I turned it into a business. <laughs> yeah. So you just stuck with it and, and kind of let it, you let it take you down this path of, of starting your own business. Yeah. Yeah. How, how is that going? What's that like? It uh, uh, was going good before Corona hit us. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Corona, Corona's uh, sort of hit pretty hard here. My uh, business plans of having like face-to-face business is no longer happening, but right. it gives, gives me time to work on the online part of our business, which is good. What does your own fitness regimen look like? So a lot of people, when they look at my photos, they, they think I train a lot, mm-hmm. whereas I actually train very little. I only do about four hours a week of training now, wow. uh, but, it's, but it's very specific training most of the results come from the food i eat so mm. eating, eating food has become a full-time job for me at the moment <laughs> it's it's crazy what do you eat mainly lean meat and veg but in very large quantities mm. that's kind of what works for you so <laughs> here's a a difficult thing for some people to understand whether you're trying to gain weight or lose weight, slowly increasing the amount of food that you eat can be very advantageous depending on what type of food you're eating. Because if you can eat more good food, that's going to increase your metabolic rate and help you grow a little bit of muscle, Mm -hmm. then your overall resting metabolic rate is going to be higher and you will burn more fat all day, every day, and while you sleep. So it's not just about the calories. It's really about, okay, what exactly are you eating? Yes, to a certain extent. Like 
focusing on your calories works like it, it has been working for years but if you're somebody who wants to lose weight and you're eating the majority of junk food and bad food and then you don't focus on calories but you start eating quality nutrients you've instantly dropped your calories anyway so mm-hmm. and then and then from there you can slowly increase but if you're someone who wants to gain weight then focusing on quality is going to increase your appetite so you can eat more food to gain weight. Mm, I see. What do people really struggle with when it comes to fitness, like in your experience? Uh, <laughs> everything. Everything. <laughs> <laughs> A lot. Uh, so, so training is really easy. Training is the easiest part, uh, but a lot of people make it bigger than it has to be. When you think about it, if, if you're going to the gym and you've got a nine to five, you're going to be lucky to get, let's say, four hours a week of training in because you've got a social life, you've got family, you've got everything going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's only 3% of your week, which is really small, right. like tiny. Whereas lifestyle, nutrition and everything else is the other 96% of your where your results come from. Right, right. So the hardest part is lifestyle and nutrition hands down because if you're working with the trainer your trainer tells you what to do with the weights mm-hmm. <laughs> like come in do this do this do this and you stumble out in a sweaty mess <laughs> and you're all done but um when you're at home by yourself uh, that's when things get hard what lifestyle components are you referring to like sleep everything sleep is a massive part of it sleep uh, nutrition intake, consistency, habits. There's there's heaps of things that influence results. Mm. What do you do for yourself in those like in the lifestyle side of things? I am pretty regimented now with my lifestyle. Mm-hmm. I can reel off my daily plan if you want. <laughs> like yeah, that'd be that'd be interesting to hear. Yeah. Okay, so I I wake up at 5.30 nearly every morning. I'm eating my first meal within 10 minutes of waking. It's usually chicken or kangaroo and veg uh, with a massive coffee. Got to have your coffee. And then roughly every two and a half, three hours from then, I eat a very similar meal until about 9.30, 10 o'clock at night and I go to bed. (laughs) Because I've been doing this for so long, I've got it down to the bare minimums. I'm very lazy when it comes to food prepping. I get it to a stage where I'm c- cooking very plain, very basic foods because I can eat them day in, day out. Mm-hmm. But for general public and clients that we train, we get them to eat tasty food, stuff that they enjoy. Because if I tried to get clients to eat the way that I eat, they would last probably a week if okay. that. Because you, you <laughs> kind of worked up to that. It didn't. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. It's, this has been a 10 year journey to get to this stage Mm. at the start. Like I was still eating, uh, trying to cook like a chef and cook really tasty and good food. (laughs) But but then once I started getting to the point where I was eating like kilos of food a day, I was like, okay, I need to find easier ways to cook large amounts of food. (laughs) I do the bare minimum. So it tastes, it tastes pretty good but i'm more looking for the fuel from the food now for me yeah but as i said for for clients like we we give them recipes that are are pretty tasty slow cooked meals yeah just heaps of flavor in them to get them started Mm. and then once they get to that certain point where they're like okay 
this is consistent for me, it's normal now, mm-hmm. then you can start sort of going to them, okay, if you, want to, if you want to get further, this is what we need to do. Do you think you're ready for it? And if they are, then yeah. Gotcha. I mean, what if, you know, friends want to go out and have dinner out somewhere? I mean, do you occasionally kind of do that? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. We, d- we don't at the moment because we're in right. lockdown. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but usually for me, it's uh, once every three weeks, I'll, me and my girlfriend will get a pizza and a tub of ice cream and sit on the couch and watch Netflix. Recently with the events going on in the world, it's become every week now. <laughs> sort of just trying to deal with it in my own way and that's something that's helping. Yeah. With clients though, new new clients, they can get away with a lot more and still get results. Whereas when you get more advanced and you've been doing this longer, your body requires more from you. You have to level up with your body. Mm. It's really like, again, it's a step-by-step process and it's not like a huge jump, like a huge leap. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So like I've always been taught a trainer's clients can be 50% as good as the trainer is, then they'll be killing it. Hmm. there's no there's no point in clients getting to a stage where a trainer is because like as a as a trainer it's our job it's our profession it's our career it's our our pattern you know we we do this for a living hmm. where and we don't necessarily have the nine to five or other things that get in the way you know what i mean yeah exactly yeah. like that's your main focus yeah yes like what are your goals now in terms of fitness or just like, I know obviously coming on podcasts and speaking about your experiences, like Mm -hmm. it sounds like you really want to help others who are recovering or going through hardship or addiction. Definitely. Like I'm, I'm always open to talking to people about addiction and how they can get out of it Mm -hmm. Uh, or sorry, not how they can get out of it. My experience with getting out of it and hopefully it can help them. Fitness goals, make it through, lockdown with COVID at the moment is my my number one goal. (laughs) Fortunately, I was able to borrow some uh, gym equipment and put it in my shed. So I'm still able to lift weights, which is massive for me. It's it's saving my mental state at the moment. Fitness goals outside of COVID is I'm trying to get as lean as I can because I've already already put on quite a lot of healthy weight. And now I want to just get lean and show off my hard work. Mm-hmm. business goals want to take the business fully online but i think we're a few years from that mm-hmm. and then start a family yeah wow it's such a holistic view of in terms of like what you're doing and it just contrasts so much with you know it wasn't so long ago that you were homeless addicted to drugs and kind of living that lifestyle like i'm curious what you would tell yourself like if you could go back in time and speak with your younger self, what would you tell him? Uh, <laughs> there might be a lot of things, but the main main thing that I would tell a younger self is not to move back in with your mum, mm. and that would that would probably change everything else. So why is that? So when it, when I um, was old enough for uh, DHS, so for, for foster care, they, they give you the, they're like, okay, you're old enough. You can make your own decisions now. Mm. Do you want to move back in with your mum, or do you want to stay in foster care and, and, you know, be, be adopted by a family or whatever? 
Uh, unfortunately, I still had strong emotional connections with my mum and I still wanted to live with her. And that one decision was had a, had a roll-on effect for the next 10, 10 11 years. Mm, mm, so that, that would be my one one a bit of advice. <laughs> uh, yeah. But, I mean, it really sounds like you're not even – you don't judge yourself for having that period of time in your life. I mean, you sound very almost neutral about it. I mean, is that the case? I, I've come to terms with it mm-hmm. a lot because, like, when I first told my, my mentor about my past and my history – he said to me, you've got, to, you've got to write about this. You've got to put it out there. You've got to tell people. And I was like, no way, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm, not, I'm not telling a soul about my past because people will judge me. They'll, they'll look down on me, uh, you know, everything like that. Mm-hmm. And then after a bit of um, harsh words and a bit of coaching by him, I put my story out there with my transformation photos mm-hmm. and my Facebook blew up. I had to switch it off for three days. The weight that was lifted off my shoulders for putting that out there and writing about it and talking about it was incredible. That past life no longer had as much control over me as it, as it did. Mm. I, I laugh about things talking about it these days because I'm comfortable with it now and it's sort of my, my awkward way to deal with it. If you want, if you want to call it that, <laughs> but yeah, I've I've fully come to terms with my past and yeah. What was that like to put that out into the world and not know who how people were going to react and being so honest about what happened? It was very scary. Yeah. Very. I I struggled to press post when uh, <laughs> I was going to put it out. Mm-hmm. I was sort of sitting there looking at the post button, going ah. Uh, but um yeah when it when it was out there was amazing i got a little little bit of negative feedback but it was like overshadowed by the amount of positive feedback that i got so Mm -hmm. yeah you can't you can't let one or two bad comments outweigh thousands of positive that's incredible that like i'm curious like who is your mentor and Kind of how did they convince you to do that? So my mentor is Matt Wolfs, uh, still my mentor now. I can't tell you how long he's been my mentor. Pretty much every year I'm like, yep, just sign me up for another year, man. Don't even ask, just do it. We'd been training together early in it when I started training with him and I'd never really opened up to anyone about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a few people in my life that knew about what I'd been through and stuff like that, mainly family members and really close friends. But yeah, when I told him, he's he was just like, "You you have to talk about this. They're like, it's incredible." As I said, I was like, "No, I'm not doing it." You know, I'm just starting to work in a gym. I don't want people at the gym to know that I'm an ex drug addict. They'll probably, you know, no one will work with me or mm-hmm, <laughs> stuff mm-hmm. like that. But um, yeah, it was incredible to talk about it not only the the positivity that came back but like for my own mental state as well it was a massive relief yeah things must have kind of shifted in a big way after that definitely i started talking more about it on social media Mm -hmm. and there was 
probably two parts to that was because I wanted to reach other ex-drug addicts or current drug addicts trying to get clean and sort of just chat with them, show them what I've done, and hopefully they can draw inspiration from it and for my own uh, self-healing as well because I was still dealing with a lot of issues that came from it and talking about it helped me release that that control that life had over me. Mm. How do you look at drugs now? When I first got clean, I was very, very scared of them. I wouldn't go out to parties where I knew there would be drugs. If I went to a pub or something, I would stay completely sober. So there was no chance of me slipping up because if if I did slip up, then I could potentially lose another 10 years of my life and it's gone and there's, you know, I'd be yeah. I'd, I'd be 40 and recovering myself again, <laughs> which I don't, I don't want. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but these days I'm pretty much in complete control. Like I, I've hung around people that are taking drugs and I'm, I'm fine with it. I'm like, you just do it. It's you. I'll sit here and eat my kangaroo and veg and drink mm-hmm. water and <laughs> nice. be, the, be the weird guy in the corner eating <laughs> good food. <laughs> I always tell people that I'll never... I'll never not be a drug addict. I think I'll always be one, but I'm just one that controls his addiction now. What do you see as kind of the main obstacle if there is one for addicts or recovering addicts? <sighs> That's a hard question to answer because <laughs> I, I think it's it's different for everyone. Yeah, I, I don't think I can answer that question. Mm. I, we talked before the show about kind of wanting to make a change and mm-hmm. you have to like know in yourself, this is something I want rather than your parents or family members telling yeah. you. That would be one of the major problems. Yeah, definitely. But I think there's, there's a lot more mm. uh, that that's sort of like the, the starting point is they, mm. they have to want it. Yeah. Uh, but then what support they get, uh, what networks they have around them. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do they get help from agencies or like clinics or stuff like that? I was pretty fortunate that I could do it on my own. Not a lot of people could. Definitely if you're someone who can't do it on your own, go go get help from like a rehab center or something because they're great. Why do you think you were able to? I think the want was there. The I wanted it so bad and the the other option was not something that <laughs> I wanted. I didn't want to die alone in the street. Mm. So I think that the want was there. So a better life was pulling me forward mm-hmm. and the hurt from how I was feeling about what the current situation that I put myself in was sort of pushing me away as well. Mm-hmm. How do you like relate with your mom at this point? I haven't spoken to her for over 10 years now. I just, she, so when I met my dad, when I was 17, he said something pretty important to me. He's like, listen, I know you're taking drugs. I know you're taking a lot of them. I'm not going to tell you to stop because I haven't been there for your whole life, but I'm just going to give you some advice. And that is whatever's holding you back in life, get rid of it and move on. And once again, at the time, I was like, yeah, whatever. Cool story, bro. Move on. (laughs) 
But then as I got a bit older and a bit wiser and I made that decision to to quit drugs and started bettering myself, she she was one of the major things in my life that kept holding me back. So mm. I made the decision then never to speak to her again and I've stuck with it. She she tries she uh, sends me messages every now and again on Facebook, and I'm like, listen, mum, I can't have you in my life. You're not, you know. As I know, a lot of people will be hearing this, and they're like, well, you can't do that to your mum. That's you know, she brought you into this world. She's you know, she's your mum. But my to me, my mum is my nan. She she looked after me. She protected me. She was there all through my childhood. Was that a hard decision for you? Like in terms of you were close at, at some point, right? We were, but over the years up to the point where I, I made the decision to quit, we'd sort of weren't close anymore. And the decision was quite easy because I, I needed to change. I wanted to change. And it was, I was going to do it regardless of what happened. Like I had to do it. Mm-hmm. Do you have any advice for people kind of going through addiction? Keep trying. Keep trying to get clean. If, if you are trying to get clean and, and you stuff up, keep going. Yeah, just, just look at how you stuffed up and then change it next time you try. Mm. Or go get help from a rehab center. Like I reckon if I, if I had have gone to a rehab center, it would have been easier for me to do. What if like they've tried rehab centers and it's just it hasn't worked and would you just say to keep trying? Yeah, because eventually something's going to click. Mm. If, if, you, if you truly want it and, you, and you're trying and you keep failing, like it took me three and a half years to get off everything and that was, I, I failed hundreds of times in that three and a half years. Like every time I failed, like I was down on myself and I was like, oh, you know, I've done it again. You're useless, Kane. You, you, you know, you're not going to be anything in life. Rah, rah, rah. But then, the the pain and hurt from that life that I was in kept pushing me forward. I was like, I don't, I don't want to go back to where I was. Was it kind of like the fear of that that kind of kept you going? Uh, a little bit, yeah. But the the fear of that life and going back there actually came when I got clean. That, oh, right. that, that, was, that was when the fear of, that's why I didn't go out to parties or drinking or anything because I was like one, one slip up, like one, one getting too drunk and having a taste of something mm-hmm. and, I, and I could be back on the streets within a couple of weeks and like, you know, back in that life that I'd worked so hard to get out of. Mm. And now you're able to kind of look at it and not feel that fear there's always always that little bit i think there'll always be that little bit of fear and caution with with substances because i have an addictive personality and obviously i love drugs like it's it's a part of me but there's always that fear and caution now whenever i go into somewhere where i know there potentially could be drugs yeah so you're just you're really aware of like yeah yourself and then the environment around you yeah i've got good health now i've got a a good business i've got a girlfriend uh i don't want i don't want to lose all that i've worked too hard to get here 
Mm. Yeah. And it's really kind of getting to that point where there's like too much at stake, I guess. Yeah. So you, you asked before about um, goals and stuff mm. like that. It's interesting because I struggle a bit with goals these days. I struggle to mm. uh, look forward into the future and go, okay, this is what I want, but I do, do I want it bad enough? Because of where I am now, in my mind, I've achieved everything in life I wanted to achieve. I've, wow. I've, I've, I've made it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you really have. <laughs> so it's hard for me to go, okay, I want a house. I want a family. But like compared to what I've already done, do I want it, <laughs> do I want it bad enough? Yeah. And, and it's, it, I struggle to, in business and stuff like that, I struggle with furthering my transformation more than I already have because there's not that strong emotional reason to do it. You mm. know what I mean? Yeah. I think maybe society tells us like we just need to keep moving on to the next thing. But mm-hmm it's so personal. I mean, it sounds like for you, you really have done the things that you're trying to do. I mean, and it took you so many years and maybe the next things will kind of arise from that, but certainly. Hopefully they do. Right. (laughs) Hopefully. But I mean, based on like coming from where you did, I mean, what could compare to that motivation? Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. As I said, just it's, I struggle a lot with goals at the moment and as, as much as my mentor tries to help me with it, it's just a situation that I'm in. <laughs> right. Like you're not unhappy with the situation. Oh, definitely not. No, right. no right. I love it. Exactly. Are you grateful for what you went through? As in the experiences that I got and yeah. Like what, what do you feel when you kind of look back and kind of see oh, what happened? super proud but then also there's a bit of me like how did you let it get that bad like Mm -hmm. how how did you let it go that far and like essentially put yourself in a situation where you're starting more on starting out a normal life more on the back foot than you already were you know what I mean yeah I see sounds like you surround yourself with like support and a supportive community definitely having the right support network around you in anything in life is is going to help you. You want people around you that are going to pick you up to their level. So that's why when I was picking my mentor, I'm like, okay, I want somebody who has done this, this, and this, and this. And if they tick all those boxes, then that's the person I'm going to get to teach me to get to where he is. Mm -hmm. And then over the years, he's leveled up even more and got further and further. And I'm like, all right, I'm just going to keep chasing you. <laughs> mm, yeah. so, Has your friend group changed as well? Uh, my friends, well, I've got a lot more uh, PT friends now mm. and like my clients become my friends. My friends from my old life, uh, obviously the circle there got a lot smaller to a select few. I don't get to see them very often at the moment, which kind of upsets me a bit, but they're still my friends. They always will be. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. It just sounds like you've made such an incredible transformation and certainly it didn't happen overnight. It took you many years, hundreds of attempts. And Nothing happens overnight, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. And it's just so cool that you were able to do that successfully. I mean, really. 
thank you. you for sharing your story and putting yourself out there because it's it's a hard thing to do to to hit post and say you know this is me and this is what I've been through. Yeah, it does get easier though. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Putting it out there. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Kane. Really appreciate your full honesty and and opinions on this. Cool. Thank you, Jessica. Thanks for having me on. Mm-hmm.